This is Books of Titans, the podcast dedicated to the influences of influencers. The books that have helped shape prominent inventors, business leaders, athletes, intellectuals, scientists, and others. We'll talk about what makes these books such classics and at least attempt to have an intelligent discussion about what makes them so important and influential. Hello, this is Eric Rostad coming to you right outside of Nashville, Tennessee. Today, I'm going to cover The Marathon Monks of Mount Hiei by John Stevens. This is book 43 of 52 for my 2019 reading list. This episode will consist of three segments. First will be a brief introduction to the book, the author, who suggested it in my initial reaction. The second segment will be a few ideas that stuck out to me. And the third segment is the one thing, my one key takeaway from this book. So on to segment one, the author is John Stevens. He was born in 1947 in Chicago. He's a Buddhist priest, a teacher, and an Aikido teacher, which is a Japanese martial art. He lived in Japan from 1973 to 2013 and now resides in Hawaii. He has authored more than 30 books on Buddhism, Aikido, and Asian culture. This book, The Marathon Monks of Mount Hiei, was written in 1988. The structure of the book is that it's broken up into two parts. They're they're equal in length. The first part is the world of Tendai Buddhism, and the second part is the Marathon Monks. As for who suggested the book, that was Poor Bjorn. That is his name on Instagram. He also has a website, poorbjorn.com. I'll link to that in the show notes. I've followed him on Instagram. Uh, we've been connected now for, for two to three years. And I, I like following him because he reads books and then he implements ideas and, ex, and experiments with those ideas in his life. So if he, write, if he reads a book on, on fasting, he'll, he'll do a He'll conduct a 48-hour fast and then and then describe what what goes on. If it's an athletic book, he'll he'll do an athletic feat and and describe what's going on there. So it, it's fun just to see what he's reading and then to see the experiments that he's doing. I've also found that to be a really helpful way to remember what I read is to to implement some idea and and to experiment in different ways with with the content of of books. So I, I read this book from October 5th through the 6th. So it just took two days. Uh, I'm recording this October 8th. So uh, I just finished it a few few days ago. 133-page book, so 66 pages roughly per day. Took two hours, 56 minutes, and 16 seconds total. And I share that just so you have an idea of what it, it will take you to read it. Uh, I'm a, a fairly slow reader. So you know, the two hour time frame for, for this book is, uh, is what you're looking at. Average American watches four and a half hours of TV a day. So you can, uh, if you don't watch that amount of TV one day, you'd, you'd be able to read this book. As for my initial reaction, I I was expecting more from this book. I, I wanted to know about the marathon part. You know, I, I heard that these monks were running a thousand marathons in seven years. That's insane. I, I need to know more, uh, and and I thought I, it would warrant more reading to to just to learn about about these guys and what they're doing. I didn't really care to learn about the uh, Tendai Buddhism, and so for half of the book to to be about that, uh, not what I was going for in in picking up this book. Props to the author though for for saying in the intro to to just skip that part if 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 it didn't interest you because it kind of gets into the weeds and just to proceed to part two which is about the marathon monks I didn't do that because as part of this project I'm trying to read the entire book uh, of all the ones that I'm that I have on my list I was also hoping for more of a book from the perspective of the runners themselves and I they don't it, I, you know they're these guys aren't necessarily on Instagram or, or with blogs, you know, so they're, they're not, uh, 
sharing uh, what they're they're doing. And and so I think there's been a few interviews with uh, some of the runners, but um, I, I guess I was just more taking it. I wanted to hear from their mindset. So, you know, if they're running a thousand marathons, what, what, what are they thinking at day 73? Are, are they ready to give up? Um, how do, how do they, how do they keep going? What's in their mind while they're running? Uh, all, all these kind of things that that's more of what I was interested in. Whereas this book is more, here is some information about what these monks do. And I'll get into that in the next segment. It's very impressive. Uh, amazing, but I, I, I was just maybe looking for a, a different side or a different angle to the book. As for who should read the book, how about this? Here's who shouldn't read the book. If you're looking for a book to, that inspires you to run more, this is not really the book for that. This is not going to help you get inspired to run more. There's other great books for that. Uh, I've highlighted some of those in, in past podcast episodes for, for the Books of Titans. But, um, but this one... If, if you're interested in in these monks and, and what they do, uh, a, a good book. But later, I'll, I'll share perhaps some other ways that you can get the same information in a, a shorter amount of time. Before I get back into the book here, have you ever thought, uh, hey, I'd, I'd like to support Eric and what he's doing with the Books of Titans project here? Well, guess what? I have a way for you to support me this week. And here it is. My wife just released a new album. She's a singer-songwriter, and it is up on iTunes. She has been doing music her whole life. She's very good, and and her new album is available for pre-order on iTunes. I'm going to link to it in the show notes. I'd love for you to go in there and and add it. Uh, if you if you stream music, if you're part of Apple Music, you can go in and just add it and stream it, uh, or you can pre-order and buy it. If you, if you do that, you'll get one song right now, and then when the album does release uh, in the next few months, you'll get the the entire album. So I'd love for you to do that. Uh, that that would be a great support to me and uh, to, to my family. So I'd, I'd, uh, I'll, I'll link to that in the, in the show notes so you can go from there. Now back to the book. What are the Marathon Monks? Who are they? Well, they're, they're Tendai Buddhist monks based in central Japan. They've been around for hundreds and thousands of years, actually. Um, and these rituals of, of these marathons actually began in the 1300s. So... These monks, as part of uh, their their enlightenment, will go and and do these marathons. And and so here's here's kind of what it it consists of. First, if uh, if you're doing these marathons, you are here's what you're allowed to carry. And this also gets into a little of the intensity of it, I guess. You can carry a hat, and for the first hundred days, you can't wear that hat, but you can carry it. Uh, but after the hundredth day, the 100th marathon, you can start wearing the hat. The hat is very odd shaped in that it is super long from front to back. And, and so it sticks out almost like a, a, a long nose or a, a, a snout uh, from the top of the head. And what that does is, is it help, helps keep branches away from the monk's face and provides a clear view while he is running. And that's important because they run at 1.30 in the morning. So it is dark and uh, I guess you'd probably hit a lot more uh, sticks than uh, at night than you would during the day, but um, that hat can keep the branches out of the way. The outfit is a pure white outfit made entirely of cotton, and it, and it covers the whole body. I mean, it covers the sleeves and, and the legs. 
the, the monk carries a rosary in the left hand and then books, candles, and matches and a bag to hold some food. That, that is, that he, he can carry all that as well. Now here's where it gets uh, pretty intense. He also carries a knife and a rope. And the purpose of these two items is to commit suicide if you are not able to finish this ritual. Uh, as in like doing the 100 days to start and then a thousand um, consecutive or a thousand marathons uh, together. So if you are, you know, day 773 and you just can't do it anymore, you've reached your limit, you don't get to ring the bell or, you know, call up call up the cops and or the ambulance and have them come and get you. No, you take the knife and you slice open your stomach and let your intestines fall out and then wait for two hours until you die. Or if you'd rather not do that, you can take the rope and hang yourself. So yes, intense. When you sign up for this, it's not, you know, a weekend. I'm going to show everybody on Instagram what I can do over the next thousand days. No, it's like, if you don't finish, you, you kill yourself. Uh, and for, for <laughs> footwear, they wear straw sandals and they're, they're running so much that these sandals, yeah, they have to replace these sandals all the time. And then if it's any sort of in, in, inclement weather, these sandals will just disintegrate. So if it's raining, uh, the, the, um, the monks will always have an, an extra set of sandals with them because if it's raining, the sandals would disintegrate and then they have to put on another pair. So I guess in the 1300s, um, Nike wasn't around yet. And so they couldn't sponsor these monks. And so instead they went with these straw sandals. Uh, but apparently it works because um, they're, they're still using them. So as I mentioned before, they start running at 1.30 a.m. And here are some of the basic rules. During the run, the robe and the hat may not be removed. There is no deviation from the appointed course. No stopping for rest or refreshment. All required services, prayers, and chants must be correctly performed. And there is no smoking or drinking. The diet of these monks is vegetarian. And the book goes through exactly what they eat on a daily basis. And you can just think, like, how are they able to run a marathon a day, walk, run a marathon a day on that? But somehow they're able to. Uh, they can only sit once during the run, and that is to pray for the emperor, and then they've got to get back up and, and keep going. Only two people have uh, completed this since World War II, and since 1885, 40, 46 marathon monks have completed the 1,000-day journey. So to start, you do 100 days, and if you make it through that first 100 days, you can then petition the headquarters to do uh, the 1,000 day test, which is kind of the ultimate thing. And so here, here's what happens from that point forward. So let's say you've, you've finished that first 100 days. Here are the remaining 900 days and what you do. Uh, and this is 900, or, yeah, 900 days within, within seven, a seven year period. So it's not, it's not 1,000 days consecutive. It is um, 1,000 days total. So you might run like a a hundred days during one year, and then the next year, a uh, hundred or two hundred. So here, here's the nine hundred remaining days after that first hundred. The first three hundred runs are eighteen to twenty-five mile runs in consecutive day periods from March through mid-October. So that's the first three years. So each each of the first three years, you have a hundred runs and eighteen to twenty-five mile runs 
and then 100 consecutive days. So, so no days off. Fourth and fifth years, you have 200 consecutive days of running each year. After you've run 700 marathons, so the first three years is 300, and then the fourth and fifth years, you've run uh, 400 total. So that, that's 700. So after 700 marathons, you face a seven and a half day period of no food, sleep, or water. You're basically getting as close to death as possible, and that, that's part of the whole the whole thing. You have to sit upright the entire time, and there's people watching to make sure that you don't fall asleep. So can you imagine? I mean, so so you've run 700 marathons by this point, and then you, seven and a half days of no food, sleep, or water. Um, I could potentially do a day without food, but like a day without sleep, I I, I would start losing it. And a few days without all of those things, <laughs> I, I, I would not make it far. But seven and a half days, can you imagine not sleeping for seven and a half days and then just having to sit there? So not even doing like physical activity that kind of keeps you, uh, keeps your body going, but just sitting still. And oh man, can you imagine what would go on in your mind and how hard that would be? All right. So uh, if you make it through that and you live and you haven't, you know, hung yourself on the, on the trail. Uh, sixth year is 100, 100 consecutive days of 37.5 mile run walks. Uh, it takes 14 to 15 hours to complete that each each day. So you're running or running slash walking 14 to 15 hours per day. The seventh year, you have two 100 consecutive day terms. The first 100 days, you have a daily 52.5 mile walk, run. That is two Olympic marathons a day. So that takes about 22 hours. So you get about two hours of sleep within each 24 hour period, which is within each day. So you are 100 consecutive days running 52.5 miles a day. And then the final 100 days, you go back to the 18 mile daily runs. So at, at the end of it, you have uh, run between 24 and 27,000 miles, which is basically the circumference of the earth at the equator. So you, you've done a lap around the entire earth. And uh, the, there, there's even a final part after that. There, there's a, a, day, a prayer, fast, and fire ceremony at the very end. And you, you sit in front of a roaring blaze and chant 100,000 mantras that's the last part of it. And obviously there, there's um, a, a long period without food there again. And, and uh, so if you make it through that, you, you've, you've, you've done it. You can then petition to do more. So you can actually do multiple 1,000-day journeys. And some of the monks have done that. There was one monk that was on like day 2,500 and he killed himself then because he just couldn't go any further, but he had done 2,500 days of it. So yeah, insane. I mean, we don't really know of anything else like this, especially, especially when you're carrying a weapon around to, to kill yourself, to disembowel yourself if you, if you don't make it through. Um, so that, that's what the marathon monks are. That's what they do. That's what the, what is expected of them. Obviously, not a whole lot of people on, in the world do it. Only two have done it since World War II, uh, 46 since um, in, in the last 140, 150 years. So 
the, the, the ones that make it through are, are considered the best athletes in the world. Uh, but it, it's a lot, a lot more than that as well. And we'll, we'll get into that, uh, here. Second thing that really stuck out to me in this book is, is posture. And the author, John Stevens says that it takes a while to get posture right. And this is posture during running posture during the, uh, especially during that, that period of fasting of the seven and a half days, uh, where you're just sitting, you're sitting upright. Posture is very important. So you don't, you don't, uh, lose it, uh, especially in the running. Um, I, I remember hearing like the, the guys that do the hundred mile runs. One of the things that goes out first is their neck muscles. I mean, you, you're just holding your head up for, for such a long period of time. Um, so you can imagine doing these hundred consecutive days of, of running a marathon, um, that if you, if you don't have the right posture, you know, something's going to get out of balance and, and it's going to have ramifications. So very important, just the basics of, of getting posture correct, uh, something that stuck out to me. The, the other thing is, uh, the third thing that stuck out to me in this book is this idea of enlightenment. Um, some, some groups uh, think that you, you have to be reincarnated to reach enlightenment, um, that it can't happen in this life. But, but these particular Buddhist monks believe that it can be in, achieved in this life. And, and part of that is through the physical activity. Um, I, I always think back to, to high school track, and I, I would always wonder why kids did drugs because uh, I would do these practices uh, for track or, or, or run a meet and just have this incredible high after the, at the end of a run or a, at the end of a hard workout. And, and I, I just couldn't imagine a better feeling than that, uh, that, that would come from, from drugs. So like, I, I couldn't imagine there being a better feeling than, than that high that you get from, uh, after these in, incredible runs, these, um, these intense runs. So something happens when you push yourself. And, and while I was reading this book, I, I was actually more surprised that it's just this elusive sect in Japan doing this and not that there's not more monks or more spiritual centers or um, other, other places that are, that are doing, that are kind of mixing the spiritual with the, the physical and in and, and, and pushing limits on, on endurance. Uh, those things seem to be connected. And I, I even think back to, um, I know it's a movie, but, uh, chariots of fire and, um, and the main guy saying, I, when I run, I feel his pleasure talking about God's pleasure. He feels God's pleasure when he, when he runs, um, all these kind of things were, were going through my mind while I was, while I was reading this. And, and these monks, when they're running, it's about taking in the moment. Uh, they're, they're getting close to death a lot, uh, especially with that seven and a half day fast. And so it, 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 provides this appreciation for life and appreciation and gratitude for right now. Here, here's a quote from John Stevens in the book. The most admirable thing about the, about these monks is their warmth, open-heartedness and humanity. Facing death over and over, the marathon monks become alive to each moment, full of gratitude, joy, and grace. They have much to teach us. Always aim for the ultimate. Never look back. Be mindful of others at all times and keep the mind forever set on the way. End quote. Now on to segment three and the one thing, my one key takeaway from this book. And I know I mentioned I wasn't a big fan of the 
first part of the book on Tendai Buddhism, but there, there was one thing in there that, uh, that stuck out to me, and, and it's this. Uh, as, as part of the training, they, they, they view their lives in set periods. And so there, there'd be a 12-year period for this, where you're, you're spending your time doing a particular thing and learning a particular part. And then after that 12-year period, there's an eight-year period doing this, and then a 10-year period after that, and then and, and then it just kind of keeps going on. Um, and I, I just started thinking about that. Uh, that it, I, I know we do that in in terms of school. Like we're in school from this set of time, uh, and then after that, we're in, in the working world. But it seems once we get into the to the working world, it it's not as defined of de, uh, time periods anymore. And so we can just kind of go through graduate, you know, we graduate, uh, maybe we're 22 and then we could go from 22 to 60 and not really be mindful and purposeful with that time. And so even, even this books of Titans project, I, I, I've dedicated, I'm dedicating at least five years to this project. I, I think I'll do it the rest of my life. I, I, I absolutely love it, but, um, and, and maybe in different, different ways, but, um, but I, I like that idea of I'm going to do this five years. I, I know what's involved. I'm committing to it for five years. And then maybe after that five years, there there's something else for eight years. And I'm really focusing on learning a particular thing during that eight years. And this could be within my working life or it could be kind of a, a side project type of type of thing. But it, it was a neat thing just to contemplate of, of what if I dedicated the next five years to studying this particular thing or or digging in deeper to this, something I've always wanted to learn about or um, a, a book I've wanted to read that's just got so much in it that uh, I, I really need to dedicate uh, more time into doing that. Or maybe I take a, a few years and, and, and only dig into Mozart or, or operas or something like that. It just kind of got my, my wheels turning on, on ways I could do that and, and kind of just pit, planning out different five-year periods or, or that kind of thing. And not necessarily like, I want to be making this much and, and doing this or, or have this title, but uh, more project-based. Uh, so that's my key takeaway from this book. Not really a, a main point or anything in the book, but sometimes that that happens where uh, it's just kind of a side comment or, or I mean, this, this, this year thing was only on one page of the book, but um, uh, it, it stuck out to me and, and I kind of took it on a different, different route, but, uh, but was the, the main thing that I think of, uh, when I think of this book, uh, obviously other than the, the intensity of, of what these monks are doing. So to recap, I love learning about endurance athletes. I love re- reading books about running. I, I just read Endure by Alex Hutchinson. Um, I, I, I love these kind of books, but, um, this, this one just didn't, didn't do it for me. Uh, it, it is a short book, but it's way too long in, in this sense. I did a search and found a video on YouTube. That's a five minute video. And it showed these monks. It gave kind of the basics of, of what they're expected to do. And I learned just as much in that five minute video. And then reading a few other articles online, then I, uh, I, I learned as much in those things as I did in this book. And so this book took me three hours to read, but that video and the articles took 15, 20 minutes tops. And I learned just as much. And I also had the visuals to go with it with, with the uh, YouTube video. So I'm, I'm one of those people that I, if I hear something uh, like 
hey, there's monks in Japan that, that run a thousand marathons. Uh, I, I want to read more about it. I want to learn more. And, and usually that is going to be in the form of a book because I, I learn very well and, and enjoy reading, uh, reading books. But this, is, this was a case where I, I could have gotten just as much through videos and, and articles. So I'll link to some of those in the show notes. So if, if, you're, if you're not up for the three hours to, to read this book, uh, do check out the, those videos and the articles and, and go from there. That's going to do it for this episode. Thanks for listening. I'd, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can email me at eric at booksoftitans.com. That's eric with a K, so E-R-I-K at booksoftitans.com. Let me know what you thought, thought of this episode, or, this episode or, or other ones. I'll be covering 21 Lessons for the 21st Century by, by Yuval Noah Harari in next week's episode. Keep reading. Uh, I'll catch you next week.